2 Chronicles chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verse, verse number 10. The Bible says, So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of, of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Father, I pray tonight that you'll bless the reading of thy word these next few moments. I pray, God, that you'll give us the, uh, the wisdom, give us liberty, and may the Holy Spirit do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Thank you for the good singing. Thank you for your presence that's been in this place thus far. We pray now that you'll speak to us and through us. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I've been preaching from this chapter uh, just as the Lord had laid it upon my heart last Sunday night, this morning, and then tonight. And all of these three uh, thoughts concerning that of revival, and we talked about and preached about this morning, uh, revival, the road to revival, and some things that we cannot do without. Uh, we mentioned last Sunday night, and tonight I want to take these verses that we've read that closes out this chapter uh, concerning this great revival of Asa, and I want to preach on this subject, on a revival revival in progress, a revival in progress, because that's really what we have in this text tonight. If you look at it close enough, you see here uh, that the Bible gives us an illustration of a revival that is in progress. It is taking place, and I want us to look at that for just a few moments tonight, but before we mention that, let me just say on the outset of this message, if you look at this chapter as a whole, and you look at the life of King Asa, and what God allowed him to do in this one chapter in the nation of Israel it tells us here that what revival really consists of we see in verses number one of the power of revival as the Bible opens up and said and the spirit of God came upon Azariah you see you can't have revival without power isn't that right and the power of revival is not in me and it's not in you and it's not in a meeting but it's in the spirit of God when the spirit of God moves uh, uh, that is the power of revival. You see what I'm saying is it's not enough to talk about revival. Uh, that doesn't bring revival. Preaching about revival doesn't bring about rev bring revival. Singing doesn't bring revival. It's when the power of God, the spirit of God uh, begins to move. And then there's the preacher in revival. Azariah comes, uh, he obeys God and delivers the message. Amen. And just like you can't have revival without power, I'll say this, you can't have revival without preaching neither. Amen. 
It's going to take some old time, Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt, leather lung preaching against sin if we're going to have revival. And thank God for a preacher. And certainly we've had a preacher too that's come in and preached revival. And then there's the people in verse number two of revival. You can't have revival without a people, amen? Uh, listen, he went to, uh, to Asa, but he calls out Judah, he calls out Benjamin, he calls out uh, uh, the people of God because revival is not a one-man show. Somebody say amen. No preacher can bring revival. It takes a group effort of everybody uh, coming together and unifying, uh, uh, going in one direction, amen? And so there is the people and there's the preaching, the message. He, uh, Azariah had a message in verse number four uh, down to verse number eight and he had it for the king as we saw this morning and thank God I'm glad for preachers uh, uh, that's got a message, amen? I'm not talking about somebody getting up here being a comedian. I'm not talking about somebody getting up here and trying to be a great orator or, or trying to impress the crowd with their intellect. Uh, uh, brother, I don't know about you uh, uh, but I just want something simple, something plain, uh, uh, something that I can understand, uh, something I can apply to my life uh, and something that will help me uh, out of this book. Isn't that right? I think it preachers, if we're not careful, uh, and the only way I know to say it, say it, if we're not careful, we can get too big for our britches. Is that right? Brother, thank God for the ability to learn the Bible and study. And I believe we ought to learn all we can about the Bible, but it'll take more than intellect to have revival. Amen. You're, now listen, you didn't come tonight to see how smart I am, and I sure am glad you didn't because you'd be disappointed. Amen. But I'll tell you what we all gathered around this place together for is for one purpose, and that's to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen. You don't want my opinion, and thank God I'm glad because I don't want to give it. You don't want my idea. You don't want what I think or what I believe. You and I want the same thing tonight. I just want to know what God said in that book and how to apply it to my life. Amen. And so there's the preaching. There's the price of revival. And the Bible said in verse number eight, as we saw, they had to tear down those abominable idols. Amen. And the price of revival, as we mentioned this morning, is you got to get those things out of your life if you're going to have revival. But when we come to this text, there's the preparation of revival. And that's what revival in progress really is. As Asa brings the people together and he begins in verse number 10 to prepare them. And I want you to notice what this preparation involved. I'll give these to you and we'll be through tonight. Number one, it involved in verse number 10, a congregation. Notice the Bible said, so they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. So in other words, if they're gonna have this revival, the message has been given to King Asa but Azariah can't do it himself and Asa can't do it himself but they're going to have to bring the congregation together as I mentioned earlier everybody's got to be unified everybody's got to be in one place amen you know sometimes when you have a revival meeting and I understand people have to work jobs there were some people that had to work they only got to make it a night or two because they really did have to work they wasn't sitting at the house being lazy or laying out and I understand those situations, uh, but I'm not talking about that crowd. I'm talking about the crowd. Listen, they'll come in on Sunday. Uh, listen, and then you don't see them the rest of the week. They're not there Sunday night. They don't come back Wednesday night. You know, Listen, that crowd is always missing something in their life. <laughs> if you're here and you had to work, it's understandable. But if you didn't have to work, you, you ought to repent over it. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, when the church comes together, we're to come together. 
Is that right? You say, preacher, why do you push that so hard? Because I realize this. I realize if there ever comes a day, now listen to me, if there ever comes a day around this church like it has in many churches where people lose interest in coming to revival, they lose interest in coming to those extra meetings that we have, do you know what happens? We're done. This place is over with. You say, well, we can still have church, can't we? We can play church. But we can't have church. You see, when we have revival, the congregation has, those meetings are the lifeline. I tell preachers, uh, uh, as that I'm with young preachers, sometimes say, you got any advice? I say, have revival meetings. They say, well, what if my people don't come? I say, have them anyway. They'll get used to what you get them used to. If you have one revival a year, that's all they're gonna come to. We have three to four here, amen? And I tell them, I said, you need one about every three or four months because people as a whole, and I'm not saying this about you as an individual, but people as a whole are not as spiritual as they was 25 and 30 years ago. I'm talking about as a whole, isn't that right? I said, you need a revival about every three to four months, some meeting of some kind where a preacher comes in and preaches. It maintenances your church. It keeps your church where it ought to be at. And they say, well, what if they don't come? I said, they'll get used to it, amen? Just keep on having it, amen? You know, I I didn't like uh, mashed potatoes, but my mother kept poking them down my throat enough until I got used to them, amen? And then I started liking it, you know? That's kind of the way revival meeting is. Uh, I don't want to poke it down your throat, amen? Uh, But I'm telling you, what we do get used to is what we will do. And the flip side of that is this. If we ever get, you know, I I hear preachers say this, and forgive me, every pastor's different, but I'll hear pastors say, well, it's okay if you miss a night. I'm not ever going to say that. If you're not sick, absolutely hafting to work or down at the funeral home, and I don't mean visiting down at the funeral home. I'm against that too, by the way. But go visit them and then come to church. Go before church. Is that right? Can I get an amen right there? But you're never going to hear me say it's okay. In fact, if you have to miss, I want you to feel like you're just the most terrible church member ever. I want you to duck and hide from me when you miss church. You say, preacher, why are you? That's me. No, I'm going to be honest with you. If we ever get to that place, I'm telling you, I've seen it. If we ever get to the place where we don't congregate more often, you know what happens? We are done, friends, to have revival. Isn't it amazing how people want to have church less, not more in this day? It involves a congregation. It involves a contribution. Notice verse number 11. And they offered unto the Lord the same time. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they they brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. Now, that's a great contribution, isn't it? Amen. They're contributing. They're they're offering a sacrifice. There is a contribution. And, you know, listen, that's what we do in church. We give. God blesses Bible Baptist Church. Why? Because it's a giving church. We, we give to missions. We give our time. We, we go out on Saturdays. We knock on doors. And I'm not saying we're anything by doing that. I'm just making the illustration that, that because we give, God is honored by that. It pleases God. If we ever get to the place where we don't want to contribute, we don't want to give. Uh, you say, well, why do 20 things uh, uh, for 20, uh, 20 opportunities for 2020? It's to keep us in the, the mode of giving. I need that. You need that. I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm not contributing to my local church. 
amen. You mark it down. The person that complains about contributing is the person that never contributes to anything, amen. People that don't tithe, they, they don't like that part of the offering or that part of the service, amen. They gotta go to the bathroom when it comes time to take the offering up or they bow their head to pray when you're not praying, amen. You know why? Because they don't wanna, they don't like that part, amen. They get quiet when you preach on tithing like some of y'all are right now. I'm just simply saying this, why don't you get the guilt off of you and start writing a tithing check out next Sunday and you can feel better about this whole thing, amen. And have the blessings of God. Contribute. I like what Brother Fleur said. I mentioned it this morning. I want to mention it again tonight just because it's worthy of repeating. I like what he said about, and I, I thought about when he made that statement, how that I remember as a bus kid, as a young boy, teenager, coming to church and I was just a taker. And I just take, many of you remember that, you're just a taker. The church was, I was, was helping me. And I was just, but what, what about the opportunity when you was able to start giving back to the church? able to get involved. And I think, listen, revival involves a contribution. When people have revival, they'll get involved. They'll contribute. It involves a covenant in verse 12 and 13. Notice they made a covenant. They And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God their, of their father with all their heart and with all their soul. What a great covenant that is. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. Now don't you think, God, we're living under grace and not the law? Amen. I mean, listen, they a lot of churches, Brother Mike, you, listen, they, they drop 100 people overnight. I'm telling you, they, they made a covenant, not a contract. You see, a contract can be broken. A contract can, there are loopholes that you can get out of contracts. But a covenant is more binding, it is stronger. I want to say that's what marriage is. Marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. Amen. It's till death do us part, is that right? And so they make a covenant with God that the Bible said in verse number 12, they made it with all their heart and with all of their soul. I'm gonna tell you, that's the kind of covenant we need to make with God, a covenant that we make in here with all of our heart. You see, that's what real revival is. It's a revi real revival uh, puts us in the place where we all make decisions in our life. In other words, you can have a good meeting and go and get stirred up and shout, and I love shouting, you know that. And you can run the aisles and jump the pews and all that's wonderful and all that's fine. And you can walk away and say, man, wasn't that a great meeting? I sure feel good, and that's wonderful. But can I tell you something? Uh, listen, if you enjoyed every bit of that, if I enjoyed every bit of that, but I walked away and I didn't make some decisions for God spiritually, what was the point? Was it just to have a spiritual high? And don't get quiet. I, listen, I thank God when it gets out of the banks here. But I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, like, I like worship. I like when people praise God. Like, I like that brother come in tonight. I, I told Brother David, I said, I hope that boy gets cranked up, amen. I just like him. I like it when people get, when, when they worship God. I like, it doesn't make me nervous at all. But I want to tell you, I don't want to be a part of a place where all we do is shout and we don't do anything for God. Is that right? I would doubt that shout. I'm telling you, you can have both is what I'm saying. 
You can shout and you can praise God, but you ought to make some decisions along life's way. There ought to be some covenants made, not just uh, here and there. I'd say there ought to be a covenant to read your Bible more this year than you read it last year. There ought to be a covenant to spend 20 more minutes in prayer like on that, on that paper. There ought to be a covenant to pass out more tracts. Uh, there ought to be a covenant to be more faithful to the prayer room. There ought to be a covenant, amen, uh, to, to bring more people to the house of God. You say, oh, that makes me nervous. Uh, that does me sometimes because the flesh don't like it. But I'm talking about here, when you have real revival, decisions are made. Then I notice it involved a celebration, verse 14 and 15. I like this, the Bible says, and they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and notice this, with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced. What were they rejoicing at? Look at verse 15. At the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart. Did you catch that? I think in a lot of our churches, we have it backwards. Because here, they make a covenant with God with all of their heart and with all of their soul. And then they start shouting. You see, shouting without a covenant isn't no good. Amen. In other words, shouting on Sunday and living any way you want to on Monday ain't no good. Shouting on Sunday and never picking your Bible up all week long, that's no good. Amen. Shouting on Sunday, and don't think I'm against shouting, but shouting on Sunday and never talking to God all week, that's probably more emotionalism and not reality. Isn't that right? I'll tell you what will happen. When you make a covenant to God and you get in your Bible and you get in your prayer closet and Brother Tarvin, you start trying to clean up some things in your life and you start living right and then you come to church and you get filled up and then you start shouting amen because you made some covenant. Now that's reality, friend. That'll stick with you, amen. In fact, that'll just about get automatic in your life. I'm just simply saying there was a celebration, but the celebration was after the covenant was made. What's wrong with some people? They want the celebration, but they don't want the covenant. I want to go to a church where everybody's happy and everybody's shouting, everybody's praising God, but I don't want that preacher to really preach all my sin. I really don't want him to get, you know, if somebody tells me I stepped on their toes, I, I missed you. Because I wasn't aiming for your toes. I was aiming for right here. Is that right? I'm going to tell you, I, I want to go to a church where I get under conviction. You're looking at somebody that needs to be under conviction. I made the same stuff you're made of. I said this the other day. In a church, there's authority, but there is no superiority. Can I get an amen right there? We're all the same. Isn't that right? God gives authority to the pastor. He gives authority to the deacons. There is authority, but there's no superiority. Amen. We're all flesh. And I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for preaching. I put in a preaching tape, not a CD, but I put in a preaching tape the other day, and I was listening to this tape, and I'm going to tell you something. You talk about rough preaching. I mean, listen, this preacher was tearing everything up that moved. I, I got under conviction so much uh, and so many different times I had to stop the tape uh, and say, dear God, before I go any further, I just want to ask you to forgive me for this and that right now. I'm just simply telling you that's how it is, amen? But don't you thank God for that kind of preaching uh, that shines the light uh, on what's wrong uh, in our life, amen? Now I want to say tonight, and I'll move on and be done in a moment, but not only do we see here that in this revival that's in progress that it involved a celebration? But notice in verse number 16 that it involved a challenge. The Bible said, and also concerning Melchah, the mother of Asa the king. Look what he does. 
he removed her from being queen. Now that's a pretty big step. Because she had made an idol in a grove and Asa cut down her idol. You know what Asa said? He said, I don't care if mama does do it. Amen. In plain old Georgia language in 2020, he churched mama right here. I mean, he took her out of the Sunday school class. She's no longer the adult women's Sunday school teacher anymore. Doesn't matter if it is mama. Amen. She built a growth. She did the very thing he said not to do. He said, you may be my mama, but I'm your king right now. Amen. And he took her out. I'm going to tell you something. There's always a challenge when you make a commitment to God. I'm telling you, a lot of times, sad to say, it comes from family. Amen. That's not. But sometimes we're going to be challenged in that area. You know why? Because family is closest to our hearts. Amen. If you're going to make your exception for somebody, you'd make it for your family. Isn't that right? But I'll tell you what, Asa said, there's no exceptions, mother. It doesn't matter who it is. He said, it's the same for everybody. And listen, he took her out of being queen, demoted her, and tore up her idol, amen, tore up her grove. I'm talking about, listen, there's gonna be a challenge when you make a commitment to God. Don't think that you're gonna get in a good revival meeting and go home and the devil's gonna leave you alone. He's not gonna do that. Brother, I'm telling you around here, when God starts blessing, I start bracing. Amen. Because I don't ever know what's coming down the pipe. And you don't neither. When God starts blessing, you better start bracing. Because the devil's going to come after you. He's going to try to discourage you. He don't want you to make progress in your life. And I see here, not only did it involve a challenge, but notice this. It involved carelessness. Now this is shocking in verse number 17. But the Bible says, but the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all of his days. You know what? When I read that verse, this is what came to my mind. Asa, you have done, we have went through, you have went so far. You have obeyed the preaching. You've even stood against your mother. You mean to tell me after all of this, you're going to leave a little spot undone? Sometimes I think that happens. We get in a good meeting like last week. Tell you what the Holy Spirit asked me. Have you left a spot undone? Maybe there's a spot in your life tonight. Well, preacher, I tell you, it's a good meeting and God helped me and Lord blessed me, but you know, I, yeah, I got this one little place I, I hadn't dealt with, this one little area. Don't leave that undone. It comes back to haunt him later. It'll come back to haunt you. See, tonight, if you got that little ounce of pride, I've, I've watched people down through the years, if they could have just conquered that little bit of pride, they could have been used of God. I've seen people down through the years, they just couldn't let go of that one thing. They had to hold on to that, that something, maybe that bitterness, that anger, that whatever that is, that bad spirit. And they fly off the handle every now and then getting mad and, and, and they never make it right. They never really apologize and, and they never really get it under control. They never give it to God and so... So they just they just kind of just let that little stubbornness that, that little that's your little high place that you've just not crushed you've, you're still holding on to that stubborn spirit you want to do what you want to do when you want to do it doesn't matter what somebody says doesn't matter what somebody thinks I'm telling you that little high place in your life even though you're experiencing some revival you're still not where you ought to be and it'll get you right back where you shouldn't be and then I see lastly it involved a cause look at verse number eighteen what what's the purpose of all this progress. Look at verse 18. 
And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels. And notice this, and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Do you know what the cause of, of all this is? Is that what is that God's, God's house, Asa brings in what his father dedicated and he himself dedicates. In other words, the priorities were right. He put back in the house of God what belonged there. I want to tell you something. That's the purpose of revival. Is that God may put back in my life and put into my life and your life the things that belong. Do you know something? The things that belonged didn't get put in there to the things that needed to be taken out or taken away. I think a lot of times we sit in church and we say, Lord, I want you to do something in my life. I come to church today, Lord, I want you to move in my life and God wants to move in your life. Lord, I want you to help me and God wants to help you. But he can't put some things in until you're willing to take some things out. If you're willing to get some of those idols out of your life tonight, then God is willing. He's able. He's wanting. That's the cause. And the Bible said there was no more war. You realize whenever you surrender and I surrender to God, and God's working in our life. You know what it brings? It brings peace. It takes away the strife. You know, when, God, when you get right with God, there's one thing about it. You don't struggle like you normally do. Doesn't mean we don't have struggles. But we don't struggle. Within ourselves, within our soul, it's settled. I want to ask you a question tonight that only you can answer. Are you struggling spiritually? It's tonight, do you have it settled? We've come out of a two-week revival and I thank God for it. You know, we started the first of this month reading through that little devotional. Somebody sent me a text this week that said, did you read this on this day about the purpose of a prayer list? And just gave an encouraging text about what they had read that day. And we're reading through that devotional. We said, well, I hadn't even picked that devotional up. We ought to get you one tonight. You said, well, I'm... I'm 25, 26 days behind. Doesn't matter. Start tonight. You can read through it in 30 days. May change your life. May draw you closer to God in ways that you never thought about. You say a little old devotional book. I'm going to tell you something. One verse. One verse out of God's Word could be what you need to change the rest of your life. See, believe that, Brother Gravely? I don't just believe it, I know it. There's days I read that book. And I'll be honest with you, I just read because I'm supposed to read. My goal that I set for this month, I come down to it and, and I, gotta, I gotta finish out, Brother Dwayne. I've got, I've got just, I gotta really burn some oil here to finish this, finish this out for this month. And I was reading this morning and I got up and I, I thought, well, I gotta, I gotta get up a little early and I gotta really, I'm really just gonna take about 45 minutes and I'm just gonna try to really Get ahead so I can finish this goal. We've got to be on the road tomorrow. Probably won't get as much reading done tomorrow. So I thought, I'm just going to really get ahead today. You know what happened? I read that second chapter, one verse. I couldn't get past it. Forgot about my goal for the moment. That one verse was the answer to something I've been praying about a long time. One verse. God don't give that to you on the first verse. He lets you read a whole bunch of them because all them verses are good for you. 
Let them run through you. Let them run through you. They cleanse your soul. They cleanse your mind. But then when you need it, God said, there's your verse. But you don't ever get it if you don't dig. Let's stand tonight.